follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review. I want to take this time to apologize to the television audience for what they're about to see. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad, here with Matt and Brad. Guys, how are you doing? Uh, doing good, Shad. Uh, I'm trying to recover from the daylight savings time thing, and it's not going well. Oh, it, that just yeah. does a nut, seems to do a number every year. I have some years where I, I bounce okay, and then there's some years where it takes like a week and work is just miserable. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this one it was rough for me um i am still also feeling the effects of daylight savings time uh it's because my daughter was sick for like five Ooh. days straight yeah oh, uh, God. this is just kind of like a rant uh for me you yep. if because i have a small child uh shad you you have small children you you've been in this position but yep. if you have if you have a child like your child with a communicable disease Especially, I'll list three categories. Uh, Just three random ones. Well, no, I'll list three that are like <laughs> like like significant illnesses for children, and really for anyone, but it's definitely for children, uh, and are very communicable. Yeah. Uh, strep throat. Yeah. Uh, COVID. Well, yeah. And the flu, either respiratory or intestinal. Yeah. If your kid has any of those. Keep them the fuck home. Don't send them to your school or daycare. Like a Matt, you sound did. like you have firsthand experience with this. Yes, like the a family actually sent their their sick children to the daycare. Uh, different family than the one who gave everyone COVID, but they sent they sent their children when they had intestinal flu, and it, it just a disaster. And then oh, all God. of a sudden, Wednesday night, my daughter goes, oh, my tummy hurts. And then she starts vomiting everywhere God. and vomits, vomits so much over like the next like several hours that she has PTSD from it. And you think that I'm joking. Oh. I'm, not, I'm not joking. No. Like she will. She's fine now, like days later, but she's fine. She's she randomly will like look at us, my wife and I, and be like, I don't want to throw up. I don't want to throw up. And yeah. it's like, you're not, that's not going to happen. Like, that's done. Yeah. And, but she's so traumatized by it. So don't send your fucking kids sick. You know, let's also throw in stuff like uh, respiratory stuff like RSV while we're at it. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, I, I sat, my cubicle was next to someone whose kid was in daycare one winter. Mm. I was fucking sick the entire winter. <laughs> Because, like, they would, like, and I was like, why are you coming to work? Like, I just got over the last fucking bug you gave me. Like, yeah. stop coming into work when your kids are sick. I, that, I was specific about, like, highly contagious communicable diseases because there's obviously all sorts of little daycare viruses you get. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that doesn't usually do much to, 
you know, yeah. a kid or you. It's like you may have a runny nose and sniffles. Maybe you even have like a low grade fever, but it's not really like I've had plenty of those, unfortunately, by now. And it's yeah. like I don't even miss work. But like this was bad. This is a real bad intestinal flu that hung on and went on like in, in stages to the point where like my child was like listless, like in yep. bed all Friday. Yep. Uh, and by the way, she gave it to me. Um, I, Friday night, I was definitely like leaning over the toilet bowl, heaving up everything that I ate in the last like eight hours. So that that wasn't fun. Nope. No, nope. we're all That's, fine uh... now. Well, I'm great. glad you're OK now. But, uh, I haven't yeah, thrown up there. in my my wife and I have not had a puking fit in about seven years. But like the last time, it was really bad. Uh, mm. Matt knows uh, the incident that that led to. So, mm. um, yeah. We've uh, it's it's been yeah. Uh, it was somewhere in the last year or two that we had. We had one of those pop up, but we'll spare the details. Um, <laughs> so it's also the infamous like what Guy Fieri incident. That, uh... Oh well, that was my bachelor party. <laughs> yes, yeah. I know. God, that's still. Jeez. That's a callback I, for those. Everybody's everybody's lingered. out playing paintball, and I'm sitting back at the headquarters with my guts in a knot mm. and feeling terrible, but can't do anything about it. And then it's like, oh hey, you know. And I couldn't really eat when we went to dinner. And then we go back and hang out at my buddy's apartment and I am passed out for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Like the, the party that should be like, you know, we are celebrating that you're a good dude and we we like knowing you and we're happy for you and stuff. It's like, nope, you're going to spend that passed out on the couch. Good for you. Yeah. So. Anyway, with all that griping out of the way, uh, we'll get our shout-outs taken care of first. Uh, the first will go to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, collarandelbowbrand.com. Use the promo code Four Corners Podcast. That is the number four, capital C and Corners, capital P and Podcast. Save 10% off your order. Uh, the shout-out means we go to Matt. Uh, that would be to Orlando Cologne. Orlando Cologne, one of the good guys in wrestling. Not a bad guy, but we'll talk right. about the true yeah. bad guy in professional we, wrestling. You know – Shad, this is yep. like maybe the one of the first times uh, that we didn't get a bus, we didn't get hit by the curse. That's and, true. Uh, major um, happening. I mean, I wish occurred. it happened differently, but yes, yeah. yeah. This is uh, this and the last big thing, uh, the mm-hmm. the Cody departure. It's like, well, we're actually kind of timely on it instead of being a week behind. Uh, well, there's I mean, two the, big the, things. The Cody the, story the, the is ongoing still. It is. Yeah. But what's say, what's like, the joke? Adrenaline the, the in my soul. No <laughs> news on Cody Rhodes. Yeah, I was gonna say like we, uh, the what departure? Uh, who? Who? <laughs> I think and, he, I, don't know, it, I think he's not gonna sign with WWE. It sounds like they they screwed the pooch. There's a um, and uh, this is this is a weird place to go for it. But there is every so few years someone shows up on a uh, wrestling subreddit and leaks like quality information. And um, someone has shown up and the statement is the, the state what he's what this poster has done like to establish cred was the first like four posts they did were basically 
calling who the Hall of Fame inductees were going to be well before they were announced, but not in like specific terms, either initials or a moniker for them. And then the last one, uh, I believe, was saying um, something to the effect of the visionary will not be smoking mirrors after uh, this Monday. So if big if here, but if that's supposed to be about Cody, then we're looking at um, a. You know, we're looking at uh, him not wanting to debut on the day, Scott you know, the, the news broke. We're going to cover two big things tonight and neither one of them are exactly shining, happy things. No, um, it's, it's, it's going to be biggie. And then we're going to have our Scott Hall retrospective. So um, biggie, he, was it his C1 and C2 that he fractured or was it like a couple no, of parts? His C1 and C6. Okay. Um, so if you didn't see SmackDown, he was, um, Wrestling Ridge Holland, and they botched a <clears throat> suplex spot horribly because Ridge tried to just power him over and dropped him on his head. And Taz, I think, I think Taz might have broken down everything he did wrong. Yeah, he didn't specifically break it down, but Taz was like, "Yeah, you didn't do that right." Because um, there was like no hip movement and there was like no knee bend, right? Is that what you said was like the? That's what I saw with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, the. Uh, OK, just a quick thing, but I just went and checked the supposed informant account. Uh, and yeah, supposedly. Supposedly it's it's going to be Cody Seth yet mania, but we'll see. I, that's I that's will, allegedly like. Go ahead. I will believe it when I see it. That's well, that's what I said too. That's allegedly still the plan. Um, yeah. But, but at this point, it's like, well, is he signed or not? And if he, it seems like they're dicking him around. And if the issue is like they're not paying him the amount of money that he wants, then if you're going to get paid less anyway, then it's like, why don't you just go back and work out a deal with Tony Khan and AEW and just be like, okay, yeah, look, I'll take less money. Uh, for less dates because you know you're gonna have to work more dates for a company that that doesn't actually like give you creative freedom like tony khan would yeah so i don't know i know it's like it can be seen as like an embarrassment where it's like he left and then he comes back but it's like yeah you know what it's okay yeah you, you can change have some up. weird boner for <laughs> going back though <laughs> just yeah. i think it's just a uh betting on himself proving that he can succeed I think the problem uh, is, the is work, but I think the problem is, is he has this delusion that he can be the guy and like he just can't be like he was for a while in AEW. But then they kind of botched. He botched that with bad booking of himself. But like, I think the problem is he can be a guy. But if he wants to be like the top tippy top guy, like especially in a promotion with like established big stars, like I'm sorry, Cody, like. I liked some of your work for a while, but like you're not going to be Brian Danielson or John Moxley or, you know, even Adam Cole. You're not going to be not those guys. Um, you're not going to unless you like make changes to go with the crowd. Um, and you know, if if he had shifted his his stuff and steered into the skid and that sort of thing, things could have been very different. But and, and uh, I think it I think it hurts his case with any company that 
two of AEW's highest buy rates ever, he was not on the card. And he wasn't even yeah. on the roster for this last one. Yeah, that doesn't, uh, that, well, that doesn't help, but. This last one, uh, I think it's going to, it's going to wind up being the second highest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. From late purchases, I think it was, or late views. Is that with the. I'm it did. Sure. It did 110,000 on streaming alone. And but if you, uh, if you listen to Eric Bischoff, it's like, oh, AEW's plateaued. It's on the downward swing. Yeah, well... I mean, it's yeah. pay-per-view buys have actually been trending upward because they... I know. I know, but yeah. I'm, I'm just saying, like, their ratings are stagnant, but, like, all their other metrics are better. It's fascinating to hear their ratings being stagnant, but it, to see what causes their... What's going on when their ratings rise and fall. And it's actually, if you think about the percentage of their audience ratings-wise that buys the pay-per-view, it's fucking astronomical. Yeah. Because you're talking yeah. about back in the day of, like, the Monday Night Wars that, like, the big WCW ones might do, you know, well, like, a, one might do, like, several hundred thousand buy rates for, like, five to eight million people watching a week. And they are yeah. getting, like, a million to 1.2 million, and they're getting a tenth of that audience to buy it almost every time. Like, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's... Uh, it's it's pretty fascinating. But, I, plop, uh, I plop money down on it. Because their pay-per-views are, are worth it usually, and they stack that card really well. And and they have... The thing that gets me the most about them is that their storytelling going into their pay-per-view shows is pretty solid. And the other thing they do, though, that helps them, I think, versus even WWE now, is they fucking beat you over the head with that card. Oh, yeah. They make sure you know who's going to yeah. be on it. Like they like WWE, sometimes you get to the day of the pay-per-view and you, you only know four matches on the card and like the rest of it's thrown together. And you're like two or three, three weeks out from AEW and they're like, hey, look at look at like all these matches that are going to be on there. Yeah. It being on there is is hyped is a big deal. Yeah. So back to the um, back to the Big E thing. Yeah, I, I watched apparently um, Ridge Holland has like not only been super contrite and you know felt awful about it you know he visited e when it happened he's he's been he has been handling himself as well backstage as someone in his position could be i don't blame him i blame the company for risking their big stars with half-assed trained talent and also there's no reason okay um I know I reference him periodically, but, uh, you know, Brian Alvarez's opinion was it didn't matter where you did that particular spot. If that's what the landing was, this crap was going to happen like that suplex was not going over properly. And so it didn't matter where Matt, you were standing And a mat. Don't give that much more than cement does. Yeah, um, he might have he might have he might have gotten by with just like one of them fracturing but i think he would have been just as screwed because like he went right on his head and yeah. i mean no amount of give is going to is going to that's that's yeah at, at best th there'd be enough give that he could have rolled with it but it sure doesn't look that way because the problem is the way ridge did it though is um he didn't give biggie any control of his landing and he did not get him over enough yeah. but if 
Um, like I said, though, I don't blame Ridge so much as I blame the company for having one of your top guys taking offense like that from a half-assed trained talent, a guy who he should who he should be squashing like a bug. There's also um, if Brad, you mentioned it a minute ago, the the form on a belly to belly like that. If you want to get an idea of what I'm talking about with it, just watch how as hard as it might be. All you got to do is watch how Holland did that suplex once and then compare it to how Kurt Angle or Taz would do it. Or Scott Steiner. No, not because Steiner's. Well, at least later, Steiner didn't overhead the belly to belly. No, but I but mean, it, he did turn with it, though. Yeah. Steiner's belly to belly was not an overhead. It was a it was a turning belly to belly. And he was also a fucking gorilla that could power someone over because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> he because uh, the numbers don't lie. Yeah. But if you watch like I, I'm going to go to Kurt Angle because he loved belly to belly suplexes. Angle would step up and he'd clasp your hands. It'd start high, like around your rib cage, but when he was going to throw it, you watch and he'd typically drop his hands to around your waist. He'd lower his knees. And then whenever he goes for the throw, he pops his hips. So there is as much movement about giving, there's as much about how he would do it, giving you the momentum to rotate as there is going up and back. Um, so it's a, it's a telling difference. Um, and so the other scary part about this is, I mean, they, not only, you know, Biggie's C1, C6 is fractured, but he had no spinal displacement. There was no damage to his spinal cord, which is fantastic. Like that's, that's great. That is good. Um, but I guess people say that they have people have theorized that this could still mean the end of his career just because that C1 uh, fracture is just bad. Yeah, yeah. I don't know the specifics. I read a bit of what that doctor was saying. So if you don't if you're not familiar with if you're listening to this and not familiar with your spinal placement, like your C1 essentially connects to your skull. Mm-hmm. So I'm guessing I'm guessing that calcifying from an injury is like really bad and fucks like I'm, I'm guessing he's going to come out of this with like a really horrible range of motion in his neck and stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, yeah. And that's, ahead, that's kind of what they said. Like it's, it, it doesn't heal. It's what this doctor, probably the same doctor you're referring to Brad. Like he said that it doesn't, it often doesn't heal uh, correctly, which for, I'm sure for like an average person, maybe you just have like a stiff neck the rest of your life but yeah you can pretty much go about your 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 business as long as you don't have like a really heavy exertional job but that's what wrestling is you're having to pick people up you're having to take bumps yeah. um it's i don't know like it, it could heal well but if he probably won't be able to do as much as he used to do in the ring if he can even return and he'd have to be like ultra careful yeah and it, i don't know if he's going to be he'll be cleared because it's like if if his neck is so fragile that because if that or to re-break. I mean, he got very, very lucky because that allegedly it's a, it's an, it's that's the kind of vertebrae that if you break it, you could be dealing with paralysis. You can even be dealing with death because it's just that's very, very dangerous. And it's very close yeah. to all that, like in, those important like veins and arteries and shit, like up there. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's really so, easy for that to break and like push on one of those, and you're just 
you're just done. Yeah. I, I could see if the if the fracture is lower in that particular vertebrae, maybe. But the problem from look just looking at it, the and remembering my old old anatomy classes, you know, the collar of it goes up to the base of your skull, and that's not a um, not shiny happy fun time. You know, if if that's damaged, then you know that's ball game. But I'm thinking so, I'm thinking part of the problem, too, is it's like a very fine, finely tuned like motion. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of like if you it's kind of like a piece of like a machine, like if it breaks, like you have like it, it just like can't be repaired like properly because it's it requires like very minute movement. And if it loses a bit of that, like there's hardcore ramifications to it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's rough, um, especially, you know, it, the fact that it's someone as beloved as Big E and is honestly someone who who was going to be due a second title reign because the first one was not handled well. He was never getting another reign. You don't think so? No. Uh, he gonna be, he's going to be like Kofi and he's going to be back throwing pancakes at people. Well... It, yeah, I mean, look, it should have it should have submitted him in the in the main event scene, but you know, but they don't they don't view him as a, yeah they don't view him as a star. So back in the mid card you go. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, that's what the shame use. is you had a guy who he could have been someone you built around, and mm-hmm. you know now, well, you guys did it around too long, and that's not going to happen. And money in the bank is for fake world champions that they're not going to take seriously, but might shut the crowd up. So they'll half-ass them like a four to six month reign, and then off to the mid card, never to be seen again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the second worst thing of this whole segment was uh, Butch. Oh god. Oh. The fantastic worker in Pete Dunne, and you just uh, you, now his new name is Butch, and you're you you tell your announcers not to refer to him as Pete Dunne, even though we've been seeing Pete Dunne for years. And now. he has a fedora. Yeah. No, he's dressed he like have a, a fedora. He has a cabbie hat. Oh, that's the same yeah. thing. With uh, suspenders, he looks like he's a member of the Peaky Blinders. Any of you have seen that show? He looks like it's all about that butch. He looks like it looks like Vince finally got to like the late '80s and saw Newsies and decided to make <laughs> that his gimmick. With baby dancing Christian Bale. Yes. Um, that and but like they did that with Walter as well as like the the crowd was chanting like leading up to Walter's thing like the crowd is chanting Walter they know who he is that's what they know him as they he is already known and it's just like no he's Gunther and it's like they were chanting Walter all night what are you doing wow he just fucked off into like the nether region and never returned after that didn't he I don't know I'm I'm sure like they'll still do something with him but they they despite whatever the hell that they alleged that they were going to do like they totally trademark gunter stark which is it it's full on the name of a nazi back in the day like yeah. a real life nazi a like, nazi you, you can't cat. tell me yeah yeah you can't tell me like that was by accident like you could google the guy's name and it's it literally like within a second like those results pop up so like what the hell were you doing and the reaction to that i think was way way worse than they were anticipating 
I so, could I could actually believe it because it feels like a lot of their names they just pop into like if you play D and D and you can't come up with like NPC names like you just mm-hmm. pop it in like a random name generator and get some names like it feels like sometimes their names come from that. I don't know. Uh, at least they kind of gave a semi plausible explanation there because I think he he gave a promo where it's like oh Gunter was the one who raised me as my grandfather and it's like okay well. I kind of guess he would want to call himself by that name as a tribute, but it's it's like you look again, same thing with Pete Dunn. It's like you had him on your roster for years. He's done main it's roster way, stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. way it's way too late for you to be all of a sudden like, oh, I'm I'm this different name now. It's it's one thing if you know for years, like for example, since we brought up like Scott, we brought up Scott Steiner for for years. You have Scott Steiner, and he's Scott Steiner, and then all of a sudden he's like, oh, I'm not Scott Steiner anymore. I'm Big Papa Pump, and he goes by like a nickname now. And, but he had a gimmick like, change. Yeah, it's like a it's like a gimmick. Yeah. It, it's tied with like, the gimmick, but this isn't a gimmick change. It's just Walter. Like you, yeah. It's the same guy and the same character and the same gimmick that you've given him. So it's like what? It, it's dumb. It's so dumb. They really. Yeah. There's like a greater than zero percent chance that adam cole really would have ended up as muff flanagan yeah it, it sure <laughs> seems it, look all it, the only if someone wants to give me the oh i don't know wait and see for wwe stuff all i gotta do is turn around and point at chad gable and the shorty g thing that didn't work it's like no this this crap does not work but we like, have evidence what's the point of putting nxt on tv like because I was I was watching a Jim Cornette review and he was talking about how they were like at, you they were put they put like Braun Breaker and Champa on Raw to like get people to watch NXT. And he's like, but they don't even act the same as they do on NXT. But it's like, why is a guy that's been in your ecosystem for at least five years? I would say, yeah. at least five years, and like your whole audience isn't going to know him but it, like at this point most of your audience does because you've chased everyone away but like they know him as Pete Dunn like why would you change his name they know who he is mhm he he teamed with Matt Riddle i mean this is this is not an unknown person um it's like no he's he's going to it's all about the butch now. It's just it's got Shatner or something. I don't it, like whatever memes we can come up for, but it's just. Uh, I think he's literally been on Raw before. Yeah, that's what I'm saying is like it, this gimmick change doesn't make any sense. Like there, there's nothing to acknowledge that he had been on your show as like Scott Steiner said. I was Scott Steiner. Now you're going to call me Big Pompa Pump because I got the hookup. Holler if you – if they had been like – Now, right, yeah, that, that's Dunn. to all his freaks out there. Yes, that Get is right, all his please. freaks out there. Um, I was just abbreviating for the, the sake of time. But if if they had brought Pete Dunn out and they'd been like, you know, Pete, you know, you've been a – you've been a um, – you've been around for a while. But, you know, it, it, like they acknowledge that, but it's like, but you know what? You're going to run with us. I think we want to call you Butch here or something like that. You know, it, I, I don't like that. I, it I only don't works. like it either, but at least at least acknowledge it. It only works in reverse where you ha- like you start as Butch and then you're like, now I'm Pete Dunn, like Pete Dunn. Like it works in that way, but you can't go from 
You can't go from like a non-gimmicky name to a gimmicky name. You have to go from a gimmicky name to a non-gimmick name, in my opinion. Yeah. Like I said, Shorty G. Um, so or like we're... whatever they're doing with Baron Corbin now. Oh, happy, happy Corbin. What? <clears throat> I don't. You know what? I don't. Yeah. To me, Bridge Holland and is it is it Madcap Moss? Yeah, Madcap Moss got hurt because he couldn't take some move. But they're they're like the same person to me. I think they even look the same. <laughs> oh, Madcap Moss. In my got, mind, Madcap Moss got hurt from like some basic move he couldn't take because you know they they've been sending these guys up to the main roster like half trained. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who was it that they sent up? Was it um? It wasn't Aziz. Who was it that dude couldn't even do a pinfall right? Is that almost? No, it wasn't almost, but he recently had a match with almost. Shanky. Oh yeah, was it was it disease or Shanky? It was It was disease. It was disease. Okay. Yeah. I remember seeing the gif of that and just going, "What? What is he doing?" They're yeah. both just terrible. Yeah, and uh, I, I have to say, like to go along with what Matt said, if you put Rick Boogs, um, Madcap <laughs> Moss, and Ridge Holland in front of me, like I would probably mix two of them up. And I think I'd only know Madcap Moss because he has like frosted hair or something like that. Rick Boogs was different, not great, but he was at least different when he had the long hair. But of course, they made him cut that immediately because why have something that makes him uh, distinguishable from other yeah. people? Well, you, we mean, can't he, be having people stand out, and you mm. can't be having him get over either. Here's the thing: it it it's gonna it might sound to some people who are not. Uh, familiar with us, like, are, are we being unnecessarily down on the company? And the problem is that, I don't know, what was it, for the first, I don't know, year and a half we were doing this, WWE was the only contemporary stuff that was out there. And it was, uh, it was rough for it to be the only new content that was out there. And I lost time lost count the number of times i used the phrase strike when the iron's hot or i was frustrated with like it's right there in front of you just just go with it because people are are hyped for it and they just wouldn't like this is this is not just oh it's trendy to crap on on the e it's this is years and years of frustration and it's far worse now than it was than it was Even when, then, when yeah. we gave up on it because at least then like most of the workers were good and they didn't have their like lower cards just littered with these guys that literally can't work right mm-hmm. yeah like so, why do you even have a training program if you're rushing these guys up to the main roster before they can because they can... because they have these guys in there like too long and i don't mean like they're they're training them too long because you can you can you really train someone too long? I'm mean, like there's not really improvement. So at some yeah. point, if a guy has been in the system for years, you either have to fire them, which they've done a lot of that, and they've gotten rid of yeah. people that they shouldn't have, guys who already were good and and trained, like uh like Shane Strickland, Sir Scott, yeah, uh, another you know loss by WWE that's a benefit to AEW, yeah. 
And then they keep guys like Madcap Moss and some of these other guys that have been in the system for a long time. But at some point, it's like, well, you have to fire them or you have to use them. So now they're using them. Well, the but the guys aren't, aren't good or trained. The problem is that they also have like 150 people in the performance center. So these guys aren't getting like proper attention or training <laughs> because they're just like there's not enough like you you literally to, to train 150 people and give them proper attention you need like 60 coaches or at least 40 yeah. coaches and they have like 10 so yeah, that means like i i imagine for, the performance center is doing a bunch of hindu squats and cardio shit and then like maybe you get like at 20 minutes of like actual training and then you get no ring time because you know 150 people in nxt maybe does like eight matches a week yeah it, well it, it, the performance center used to be better about that but now it it sounds more like yeah we're we're talking about the power plant again and the power plant was more about weeding people out that think that they can be wrestlers and then every now and then finding a good um you know finding a a, a good prospect but you know we're anyway I mean, look what they uh, did to Johnny that. Gargano. Yeah, yeah. Gargano was Gargano was a can't miss proposition for them, and then they just drove it into the ground. No, there was a time, whatever year that was. I'm sorry, like these years all mix up, but like going to that Champa feud, he was like one of the best baby faces in wrestling, and they <laughs> totally just botched him. And then made him a heel like forever, and he wasn't a good heel. And his work no. started suffering because they had Shawn Michaels working for him, and then his work got all this overdramatic Shawn Michaelisms in it, and it just it. He went from like one of my favorite guys to a channel changer in like less than a year because of NXT. Well, it, yeah, NXT at least before it became NXT 2.0. Like, I, I do think it was better than the currently what you get with NXT, but it did become essentially like it kind of became like pwg light but also ex like the excesses of pwg it became like exceedingly masturbatory it's like yeah. every you would like you watch those takeover shows it got to the point where it's like you look at the takeover show it's on like a, a maybe like a five match uh card but it's and, a three-hour show yeah it's a three for a three-hour show and it's like they've done four of the five matches and you look at your watch and it's like two hours have already left you have like another 45 minutes to an hour to go and it's like oh and they're no. coming out for the main event and you're just like oh my god yeah yeah you're like no god this is gonna be like 45 minutes to an hour isn't it it's like because yeah. it, I, I i distinctly remember that and that's when i stopped watching them is like i think it was like the fourth takeover in a row and the main event was starting and i looked over and it was like 9 15 and i'm just like fuck yeah. and it's like I, I i like i mean i like longer matches i can appreciate them but it's like i don't need that every every big show like I don't. and that does not play to everybody's strong points either some folks benefit from having matches that are uh shorter and punchier and like their offense is such that you should look at it and go wow you know this is such hard-hitting offense that this match should not last that long something like that right you know it well you kill the you kill the crowd in the audience though, especially because then you're like, well, I'm gonna go make a sandwich. I guess I can take a dump because the first 20 minutes of this match don't mean jack squat. Oh, you mean like that WrestleMania Iron Man match that I hate so much? Yes. Yeah. But, like when, 
Or like when when your crowd's like, well, I guess I could go get some nachos because the next 15 minutes don't matter. Yeah. Like you might see some cool stuff, but you're not missing the finish. So, you know, that's that's not to anybody's benefit. Um, So, uh, you know, uh, anyway, that we we are glad to get back to the 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 starting point. I'm glad to hear that that Big E's doing pretty well, but we just going to wait and see what the future holds for him. I just I hope he doesn't either push himself or let himself get pushed into doing something that he shouldn't. I don't think we'll see him for a long time if ever. I mean, he's the guy is is such a personality that I could see him in a vocal role, but uh you know, I don't um He's just a dead gum big that having him as a manager would overshadow a lot of people. They don't do managers in WWE. No, they don't. They don't. Um, So, you know, we'll see, I guess. The other big thing this week. um, Now, did this go from Sunday to Monday? Is that what the timeline was? Or was it Saturday to Monday? Um, Well, it went longer than he... Went into the hospital last week for hip surgery, and then it was quiet for a while. And then the news came out that things were not going real well. Yeah. Um, that, that I think, was dropping on s- Sunday, I think. Um, Sunday for sure. It may have been Saturday. No, it dropped on Saturday. And then on – okay, so we – unfortunately, the wrestling world lost Scott Hall. Uh, yesterday, uh, March 14th. And it was, uh, you know, we knew he was going in for hip surgery because, you know, he broke his hip. And, you know, that was something that was out there. Scott Hall's going for hip surgery. And it's like, okay, this, you know, I hope you pull through okay, Scott, you know, that sort of stuff. And we didn't hear anything because he went in last week at some point. And then all of a sudden Saturday it comes out that, um, he's not doing, you know, I think Nash is the one that originally put it out there. He said, you know, uh, Scott's on life support. You know, he had, he, he basically threw a clot after the surgery and had three heart attacks in one night. That was on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Nash tells, you know, Nash informs the world. They're like, they're waiting for, um, his family to get there. Well, it was a little more vague at first because there were people thinking he was going to recover. And I was kind of like, eh, like, that doesn't sound good. And then it went, like, totally quiet. And then I was like, oh, that's never. Yeah. That's never good. I'm I'm just doing a truncated timeline. Yeah. And then Nash posted about it. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Because they were essentially just waiting for his family to get there. Yeah. So for those who who maybe have had family members who've been in this situation or they've they've had that experience like I have. It's not it's not good. So when when they said he had three heart attacks and he was on life support, my thought was like, well, that's not really good. Like, you know, you never want someone to be on life support, but you don't quite know what that means because everything was yeah. very intentionally vague, as it yeah. should be. I mean, we should we don't need to know the details. I know that he's like a public figure, but we don't need to know what's going on, like for the sake of his family. Yeah. But once there was like no update for like a couple of days. Like I have been in those situations, and so in my mind was like, uh, 
that's really probably not good because I think what probably happened just theorizing and it's not, it's possibly not even fair to do that, but I think somewhere in those, between those heart attacks, he probably had a loss of oxygen to the brain. Mm-hmm. That's my, that's only my theory just because there would, there would not really be a necessary need to take you off life support and let you pass away unless it's you effectively have become brain dead from lack of oxygen, which is something that can easily happen if you're having heart attacks, you're going to cardiac arrest. You may, you, they have to basically start breathing for you. You have to do the breathing for you because your heart won't do it itself. Yeah. Uh, up in the lungs. That's my guess as to what happened probably. And there may have just been too much damage and- to sustain yeah. things also in my general experience when doctors start getting vague is when the news is gonna be really fucking bad yeah yes that's again having had that life experiences once once doctors get vague and you, you don't you don't hear any updates then that's probably not yeah. good and yep. that is that is probably that was in this case it was and it usually is a situation where it's like they go to the family and they're like this isn't there's no positive outcome here so yeah we can we can sustain life for a while uh just for you to collect people to say goodbye essentially make arrangements it's and they don't want to they don't want to give you false hope they start getting Mm -hmm. real vague because they don't want to be like oh you know he might pull through it's like is it likely and they're like uh i don't know one in a million shot Mm. like they don't they don't want to put that in your head because that's all the more crushing no, it, I've, I've, in, in, in my general experience, the people that pull through are just stubborn motherfuckers that don't know any better <laughs> than when to quit. But um, that's a rare quality. And it, in my situation, in particular, um, it was a family member, and I, you have to ask point, you have to very ask very pointed questions where it's like, yeah, what is the chance that of any essentially like brain activity here, or that they were going to come back and once the doctors actually can give you kind of ideas, mm-hmm. I, they can't, I mean, it, it's a, it's a tricky thing. So you can't exactly give you like exact numbers or percentages, but, sure. uh, I mean, they often can tell you it's like, you know, and, and I mean, doctors can do things like EEGs and see if there's any brain activity and other, there's other tests that they can do. And it's like, if it's yeah. none, it's like, you don't, there's no positive outcome there. I, f- I find sometimes start asking pointed like, well, what would you do? Like, you know, start you have to you have to poke really hard for stuff. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And, and some doctors are better than others. Some doctors have, I guess, a better bedside manner. Some will just give you something straight because that's just how they process things. Uh, but there are doctors. There are there are some doctors out there that are very honest and and they can tell you in, in grave, but very in, in a way they can do it. There's ways that they can do it. That's comforting as, as silly as that sounds. There are ways that they can do it. That's comforting and just be like, look, it, you have to make the decision. Um, but the quality of life would either be very poor. Or there wouldn't really be a quality of life. So you have to make your own decisions as to what to do here. But I mean, they have to assess that or it's like, what's, what's going to happen? Are they going to come back? Are they going to be the person that they were? And if the answer is no, that's not going to happen ever, then hard choices have to be made. And it seems to be like what was happening here, like there, whatever exactly happened, 
because um, it probably wasn't just a heart attack. It, I would imagine that there was, again, lack of oxygen to the brain. I, it would not have surprised me if there was something else going on, like a stroke. Cause that's something that could have happened to the, the system, especially when you're dealing with clots. Yeah. Um, it could have caused a cerebral infarction to you know, a stroke in the brain, and that just wrecked things to the point where he wasn't able to to basically maintain on life support fully. It's rough. It's really rough. I feel really, really bad for for his family and his friends. I know that we can kind of talk briefly about his career, but I know that the two people that he was like arguably closest to in wrestling were Sean Waltman and uh, Kevin Nash, and they were both they both been really really broken up. I don't know if they were there at the hospital, but they both were getting very uh, like almost like to the moment updates about things that were going on. So they might have been there and they're both, it's really is reading their feeds. Uh, the last few days it's been rough. Yeah. I, I got to give them credit for being willing to, to be the point of contact on it and taking that off the family shoulders too. Even though, you know, it wasn't Nash's own statement was, you know, this is, this is who I have probably spent more time with than anybody else in my life. Like, you know, this was this was uh, figuratively, but almost literally, you know, this is a bro. This is a brother, and you know, being willing to handle that's that's good on him. But that's if if you think about it, between like WWF, you know, before it changed the WWE, and then also like obviously WCW with the NWO, and even TNA, mm-hmm. and even more recently doing uh, just. Uh, autograph sessions and stuff with with him yeah that you're talking about like how how many years 25 well you're, yeah you're, you're forgetting too they had the they had they had two i mean they were together in early 90s wcw too that's true that's oh that's true. right so they date back to like 91 so you're talking probably about 30 ish years mm. yeah and that's god that's rough man um just anybody going through that is rough and the the other difficult part here not only it that you know they were so close but god there are some wrestling fans that just cannot take a freaking hint because there were statements that were like sean waltman puts out there he goes look uh if we're not really friends and don't talk much don't call me asking how scott's doing Mm -hmm. or the thing about it's like hey don't go to the hospital asking to see scott hall what the hell is wrong with you you know people showing up like that it's you know i don't know man it's this parasocial relationship stuff's weird send send flowers to the funeral if they give you if they give you like an address to send them to but that's it Mm -hmm. cm punk after uh the most recent paper we just like a week ago in the media scrum made a comment that he got heat for by some people where he's basically like some some of these fans need to like basically check themselves because they're like you know they're kind of out of pocket with some of the stuff they're doing yeah and he got a little bit of heat for that and it's like look i i have been a wrestling fan myself for probably like 30 years since i was like a child yeah and i and I obviously like we have a show that's that's predominantly focusing on wrestling, 
uh, amongst pop culture and some other things, but we, we do a lot of wrestling and I love wrestling. I absolutely love it. I watch it every week, multiple hours as, as much as I can. And I fully endorse what he said. Like some of these people are like out of their minds. Like they should yeah. really, really, really take a step back. Uh, yeah. Not everyone. It's probably, it's only like a, a small fraction of people, but it's like, why would anyone think that they should be contacting the family or trying to during this time? It's like, that wouldn't have even entered my mind. You don't know him. Like no. if you yeah. knew Scott Hall, if Scott Hall was like your neighbor and it's like, okay, yeah, like maybe you have like a something, a relationship that it would be, you know, kind of appropriate for you to contact the family. I don't even know and, my neighbor's names. <laughs> I'm, I'm just giving like an example. I know. For like I'm sure. Yeah. Then maybe you could be, or if you worked with him at least to like a frequency where it's like, maybe you're, maybe not currently, but you know, back in the day you worked, uh, in WCW, like you feel like you could reach or, out to the family and be like, "Hey, how's it going?" Or but even this, just like maybe mm-hmm. you and him had developed a relationship over like the con circuit or something, which does happen yes. sometimes. But yeah, like not some Twitter rando that's never actually met him. Yes. Or if you met him like once at a convention for five seconds, like just they're not your friends. Mm-hmm. No, no, it's like the the parasocial relationship like this predates the internet okay Mm -hmm. just to put that out there because you'd have the 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 weird fans who would you know camp the the airports to wait for people to come through i think that still happens It, it does but the the parasocial relationship has been given more light because of the internet and people being so willing to talk about it um but it's yeah, we're we're not, you know, just because you see them on TV, they don't know you like that's a one way relationship. And like, you know who they are, but they don't know who you are. And that does not entitle you to anything. Um, So, it, you know, some of it, he's absolutely right. You know, some of these fans are definitely out of pocket and I need some kind of reality check in a big way but and i just want to say that's not a that's not exclusive to a wrestling problem that is like that's like harry potter fans um like comic fans definitely the shipping fandom is really toxic and bad about like harassing actors about yeah things that they didn't even write because they're you know Uh, there are people out there yeah there are people out there who i think are like they they literally have deep-seated mental health issues let's consider um uh, i'm sorry i'll throw one in there but Mm -hmm. um she was it from the star the the most recent star wars sequels was it was the character's name rose is that what it was like that poor woman got just absolutely harassed off of every public eye oh the star wars thing yeah yeah and well in um uh jake lloyd good god you know it, the the joke that I have heard is, you know, no one hates wrestling like wrestling fans. But the truth is, I don't know if if like wrestling, I don't think is in the top spot. And depending on some of these, I'm not sure if it even sits oh, no, in the I top would, five. I'd put I'd put shippers at the top of like toxicity on um, Twitter because um, it gets real bad. 
Yeah, yeah the, the, and that's why I get people who I think are like some of them are very mentally disturbed because it's like they would get incredibly toxic and and really scary. Or it's like this character, you you should be with this character, and it's like what? So you created a fiction in your mind, uh, and maybe wrote a fanfic of it, and you're gonna go crazy harassing like the actor who played those characters. Like they didn't write that; they're just playing a character. And then you have again, you created something uh, because of your own like warped sense of reality, and now you're gonna like harass them and be toxic towards them. It's insane. Yeah, yeah. The the worst example that I can think of are. For shipping, at least, where the mm. the uh, the stories I've I've heard, and I didn't read them because I ain't that brave. Of the the people who were doing the Sam and Dean Winchester from Supernatural ship, and it's like those characters are literally brothers. That's, what is going on here? People have That's some gross. weird kinks, Shad. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Like, what in the world is going – and then they're mad that the actors aren't into that. And it's like, why would they be? Like, in all honesty, why would they be? Yeah, it's uh... – Yeah. Yeah. But so uh, that's a long way of going, you know. No, but I'm totally you... on board with that because it's something – Actually, we talk with Tim about this a lot in our Facebook chat about I, and I think that comes a lot from me is how I've often talked about how I'm tired of these like middle aged people that need to like let things go. And I like I think Matt and I both made that joke. and I think there's a comic about it is like Harry Potter fans. Could you please read another fucking book, please? For the love of <laughs> God. They, they've all turned on her, though. They're starting to turn on her because of her. Yeah. Now they're reading Game of Thrones is like read another fucking book, please. For the love of God, yeah. read another book. The worst fandom that I have been adjacent to uh, that's been about this was um, uh, the people who are way too into watching The Office. Like, they literally don't watch anything else. And then they come up with these, like, well, why did why did this person do this? Like, first of all, this is a fictional character on a comedy TV show. So you know they they're they're writing a comedy show. There's got to be weird needed, stuff like, to have happen. They probably needed two minutes to fill in an episode. It's a funny line. They dropped it in there because the line is funny. It, it's it's like oh you know Jim's a bad person because it's like it's a funny line in this show. Are are is like Siri? You know it it feels like that they have gotten so far into it that they've lost all perspective. And I'm and that's a pretty relatively benign, um, you know, not like fantastical setting kind of thing. But Um, young adult fiction like that fan base is awfully toxic. I have seen lots of prospective writers who have basically been opted not well they've opted not to even try to publish anything because like well it would be young adult fiction but i don't want to deal with the young adult fiction twitter crowd like they just won't publish it and it's just like wow yeah and so this is going to be a little contentious like i don't have a problem if you want to read some young adult stuff like there's some decent books out there but i really start side-eyeing like middle-aged people that that's like all they read 
And it's like, you need to really like broaden your horizons because this is for like 13 to like 22 year olds, which is fine to dabble in because, you know, um, that stuff can be good. But it's like, you know, here, here, why don't you try this like autobiography? It's a it's a genre that has an appeal because it's not it's not digging you know too deep on some themes and you can enjoy the themes that they're doing without it being a you know without having to slog through everything um that that was when i was a senior in high school that's why i didn't like lord of the flies is because it's like there's there's imagery on every page and there's not a page where i could just kind of sit and take anything at face value i love so young adults so on the young adult level yeah okay i can see that it's like i can read this and enjoy this and it's not it's not complicated. I can have some brain candy that way. I get that. Lord of the but Flies is you... highly accurate when you think about COVID. Stop <laughs> being a hater, Shad. But if you are – if all you eat is brain candy, that's not good for you. No. You need, so... you need dumb – you need dumb like dumb entertainment to wash the palate sometimes. Yeah, just something to relax. Just something you can enjoy – Without it being, you know, super involved. So I hate when, like, when you're in corporate America and, like, anyone that's, like, high up and books come up, they always read that, like, all that same, like, corporate crap. It's like, oh, my God, have you read, like, a real book in your life? Like, please, just, <laughs> like, I don't need to read the frog or the mouse book. Like, just, just stop. I, I honestly do not care who moved your cheese. Yes, like the cheese was a the cheese was a racist clan member. Like it probably moved away from the different color cheese. So can we talk I, I about read, something uh, else? Yeah, I read uh, Seven People You Meet in Heaven in an afternoon once because it was I was I was a sub teacher and that's the book they were doing. But they had a student teacher in there who was just like, just sit over there, don't worry about it. I'll handle all this. And I was like, hey, you can't argue with that. I read the whole thing, and I was just like, if this is the kind of stuff you read on the regular, you've got to branch out. Or um, you're like, killing me. Habits of highly effective people, and like number one is always don't sleep. And it's like, well, this is worthless. Yeah, that's that's not gonna that's not gonna happen. Um, but okay, that's enough on the the parasocial relationship and all that weirdness. Um. It's, oh, let's, and that I mean, happened with Danhausen. Remember, people oh, were like, "Oh, yeah, yeah that's, that's right." When he was hurt. Well, I think I think that was like Twitter creeping on his wife under the guise of asking about him. So yeah, that one was yeah. extra like weird. But but even then, it's like I would not remotely think to go on Twitter and harass him or his wife for updates on his like physical status. It's like he can let me know that. Like I'm a fan of his. I'll I'll wait to see him release like an official statement or a tweet about how he's doing. I'm not gonna harass. Like that's not something that would even enter my mind. Well, I even yeah. I even gave to his GoFundMe for like his medical bills, and I wouldn't even think to ask him about his mm -hmm. yeah his um medical condition. He'll post about it when he's ready. Yeah. You know he'll put that out there when he's ready for it to be out there. But um. You know, let's uh, we're going to move into the part. Let's talk about um, you know retrospective on on Scott Hall's career. It's it's because Scott Hall to me is 
there's there's two um as an active wrestler there are there's two categories he falls in for me that and and maybe this isn't fair but two categories he falls in for me primarily number one he joins the club of one of the best to never win one of the major world titles he goes in there with like um you know ted dibiase and uh oh my god i always have a third one for this and i can't remember who it is now right probably kurt henning Henning but the other awa though there's someone else that i cannot think of oh i mean back in the day there's a lot of guys i think um but and the other one for me is just honestly and this this will this will show you where i saw more of him from but honestly just being an excellent tag team wrestler like he was not only a tag guy but he was really really good at it um the outsiders was really really good heel tag team this do you think that i mean parlor people had a lot of uh buy-in with him between yeah. Razor Ramon and the NWO, mm-hmm. um, I think in a way people have had such a strong reaction because there are obviously people who died kind of contemporaneously back in the excuse me back in the day. Yeah. Um, but this is like the first guy from like basically one of the, excuse me one of the first guys or one of the main guys from the second um, boom period mm-hmm. that have passed away like in recent times because i mean back in the day you had people like like owen hart died and you had yeah. brian Pillman, like people who again like i said died like kind of during the boom period but very few people who like made it through the, they were big parts of that second boom period and they continued on for like two more decades yeah and then passed away usually the people that we're thinking of who passed away like that are people who they were their careers are already kind of like winding down and maybe had just been caught in the second boom period Um, or people who died kind of like during the second boom or just after from drugs or something like that, but Mm -hmm. not really like too many that I could think of have died, you know, like 20 years later where it's like, okay, it's like, it's many years after that boom period kind of ended. So I don't know, maybe that's, that's partly, I think why people are having the reaction because it's like most of the people that are like our age particularly or even a little bit younger, but were fans of things growing up. Essentially, like you, if you started watching like the last, let's say, well, really 25 years, then like you knew Scott Hall, like from the the Outsiders, you probably were able to get more recent tapes of him at like late 90s tapes of him working as Razor Ramon, stuff like that. So it really probably like has it might have more of an effect on you than other people. And Maybe not, that it's it's more, um, you know, I mean, he was he was more nationally known for a longer time kind of thing. Hmm. Yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to agree with you by using different words. Yeah, I, uh, I always love the Gator Scott Hall days. <laughs> was that just in the AWA or was that that was in NWA it? in like 89? OK, he looks a lot like Magnum T.A. in those. You, if you ever look yeah. it up, cause he has like the, the 80s, like porno stash and like. I read something in the last day or two, which it, it basically said that he they 
he was was it was he called Magnum Scott Hall? He was Magnum Scott Hall. For yeah, a bit, yeah, and that was they he was trying to like they're trying to do like a play on Magnum PI, and I guess yeah. Magnum TA was also kind of do it. So it's like the they're both kind of working the same like a different <laughs> version of the kind of the same gimmick or take yeah. gimmick. Because in the AWA he was just Big Scott Hall. Yeah. Um, go ahead. I. One of the things I had heard about was that I guess Vern was, you know, he was intending to have him be get like a big push and be like their main their main babyface star and be like the new his new Hogan. But at that point, I think it was far too late. AWA was kind of like gasping for air. Yeah. The um, other thing I really appreciated about Scott Hall was. Because in his early days, when big Scott Hall and stuff like like dude was huge. Mm-hmm. He was jacked. And then doing the Razor thing and his WCW stuff, he he was in good shape, but he wasn't massive. Mm-hmm. And that's be- his his statement was, I don't want to look like a bodybuilder who wrestler wrestles. I want to look like a wrestler who lifts weights. So, you know, he was a little leaner, a little trimmer and probably more mobile. But, you know, he looked around and realized he's like, you know, this. There is a better way for me to handle this. And. Also, I I have to, you know, whenever they had the lawsuit about um, him using some of the same mannerisms he used when he went to WCW, like trying to sue him for it's like, oh, that's razor stuff. It's like, it's funny how much of the stuff came with him before he was Razor Ramon, those Mm -hmm. mannerisms and stuff. Um, I'm glad he dropped but, the accent in WCW, though. Yeah. 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 I remember the first time, the first Razor Ramon interview I saw him doing, it was it was such a Scarface accent put on that I was I was almost turned, you know, entirely turned on. I was like, I know where this goes, but man, this is not working. You get used to it, but it's not it's not great. Well, I think he dialed it down as he went to. Yeah. But. And such a good promo guy, too. Um, you know, one of the first seemed like one of the first really big catchphrases that you had every promo. Well, not one of the first. That's not even remotely fair. Uh, you know, Hogan had had his. But this is so simple, mm-hmm. you know. I always like the survey in WCW. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, I think. Someone like Dave Meltzer had a, a good point because he had a, a kind of a longer segment with Brian mm-hmm. on the Wrestling Observer uh, like podcast, whatever. But he's like, yeah, the the bad thing about what was happening is that the NWA became such like cool heels that, that they became like the cool thing to watch. Mm-hmm. And you trained the audience to think that WCW was lame and we don't yeah. like them. And then when the angle ran its course as it was going to uh, – <laughs> you didn't really have much left. Yeah. You had to kind of try yeah. to re- recalibrate and they tried to. And I think at the very end, they actually were doing that. And I, I think they had hit upon something with, with Booker T getting a big push and then, and Scott Steiner obviously getting a big push as a, like a monster heel. Yeah. And then obviously like time ran out, like they got bought by Vince because uh, essentially the like, TV got canceled. But yeah, I mean, Scott Hall was like a big part of that. I mean, that, the NWO run 
was as hot as anything has been wrestling yeah. like ever probably and he was obviously a big part of that uh, yeah there i've seen some people say it's like you see scott hall kick off a boom period when he did the promo he said you know who i am but you don't know why i'm here mm-hmm. it's like that and, and that's a fair enough argument to make because all of a sudden you know, interest is sparking in a big way and, and stuff starts building. And I'm not, it's not all hall, but that was, I think it's fair to say that that's the shout that started the avalanche. Yeah. Um, but my personally, and it, we're, we'll dig into the, the other stuff here in a minute, but my favorite thing about Scott Hall was actually about him after he retired. Um, and it's not just about him getting clean and that sort of stuff, but um, the best way to put it is I saw somebody somewhere put up a, a thing. It's, he did a loop with a company that was AIW somewhere. Uh, I'm not sure where they're based on. Not really important. The story is that they did a, a weekend loop. And so Scott was an attraction on there. I don't know that he was working. Maybe he was just a personality there. Or he's managing or something. But Scott's riding with the boys. He said he paid for every gallon of gas and every meal for the guys he was with the entire weekend because, in his words, that's what vets are supposed to do. It seems to me that Scott Hall was the kind of guy that he looked at what a wrestling veteran was supposed to be and worked very hard to model that because there's. it seems like there's just too many people who – they're like, you know, I'm the vet. You have to listen to me. And then they don't take on any of the responsibility that's supposed to go to it. He was um, unselfish to his detriment at times, because if you think about <laughs> you think about some of his like famous moments, like putting over um, the one, two, three kid on raw mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. set him off and like really like putting over Jericho, put Jericho on the map. Yeah. Yeah. There was another one, too, but I don't remember who he put it over was. Hector, Gar- Hector Garza. Hector Garza. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, he wasn't afraid to uh, to take losses in terms of like he would he would eat the pinfall like he he it'd usually be him like they would keep Hogan strong they would keep Nash strong, but he didn't seem to mind doing jobs and stuff like that. But he was so cool. He knew he incompetent. He knew he'd get it back. Mm-hmm. So it, it, they, he wasn't in ever really in any danger. Mm-hmm. You imagine just the 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 confidence and the guts to be able to pull that off, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's that's really something special. Uh, By the way, Vince Russo can go to hell for making a gimmick out of uh, Scott's alcoholism on national TV. Uh, Did that, didn't yeah. that predate Russo? No, that was Russo. No, it was Russo. No, I thought they were doing stuff in, like, 98 with his alcoholism. It was during the Wolfpack era, and I remember because Luger's gear was no shirt and a pair of black jeans. Uh, that Russo was around in there. He has like he comes to the ring with like a red, like he has Virgil holding his red solo cup, and he's staggering around. And Lex is yelling at him, Scott, what are you doing? You're going to get fired. No, that's. And I it, think that's before. That's before Russo, because Russo came in after the Wolf Pack. So Russo came in like '99. That stuff was like '98. That, well, I think they might have put that out there too. I think they might. Russo might have done something with it. 
he definitely did the like the the hawk stuff but like yeah. i had the 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 hall stuff in wcw predates russo like i i um we can we can shit on russo all we want i just want to be accurate when we when we kick well, him whoever did that then can you know so, they can go to hell because so, that's remember they did something at like halloween havoc 98 or something with that i remember it like getting slapped out of his hand at some point or something well all right yeah yeah with the hawk thing you can understand why i would conflate it with russo but yeah yeah God. No, I can see was... why you think that though, but yeah, it's different. Yeah, he had a lot of um he had a lot of demons. And obviously he had a horrible substance abuse. We several episodes back we talked about the plane ride from hell. Yeah. And we we kinda noted how Hall was like very, very out of it and was engaging in inappropriate behavior and that was in the early two thousands when they yeah. had their like return to the WWE, yeah, for that kind of short-lived NWO reunion. Just as a quick aside, since substance abuse came up, if um mm-hmm. if you're listening to this and haven't read it yet, um I think a Sting's player tri- Players Tribune article is like a yes. must-read. Oh yeah, yeah, that's yes. really good. It's very good. He talks about his uh, issues with addiction. Yeah, talks about his early. It kind of does a really brief introspection of his early career all the way up to like him returning to to wrestling with AEW and it kind of does like it kind of does point out why he is acting the way he is in AEW that he basically sees this as like in a way almost like a redemption Mm -hmm. for those years that he you know he he was kind of troubled and problematic um and then he's just having a blast yeah to put this out there and and you know I I know that we're not going to dispel stigma through our podcast here, but this is something that I deal with in my job all the time. Look, there's a there's a reason why it's referred to as substance uh, substance use disorder now, because it addiction rewires your brain, and now you have a you have a brain disorder because of this addiction. And the problem that's going on here is it's not for a lot of them. If you just it's like, Oh, I just quit doing that. Like if you are a severe alcoholic and you just cold turkey, that can kill you. Yeah. Booze will kill you. Opiates. Yeah, I, I don't think will kill you, but alcohol will. You'll wish you were dead. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Opiate addiction will, will make you, there are some people who continue using, not because they want to keep using, they want to quit, but because of the fear of withdrawal, the, the it's commonly referred to as dope sick. Yeah. The fear of that withdrawal and how just terrifyingly god awful it can be. Um. So you know if, and it's hard because it, think about how many time how many stories we hear over the years of people talking about you know how hard it is to even quit you know quit smoking and stuff like that. Now do it with something that that wires directly into the you know pleasure centers of your brain. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, no, this is not going to be easy. This is going to be hard, and there are just to put it out there, there are going to be some people who need are going to need whatever help you can get them because you know the it's not like they. It's kind of like cult programming. They are getting programmed to a point that they themselves cannot pull out of it. So, you know, uh, 
if you get if you know someone in your life like that, try and help, you know, be a solution. Don't be a, you know, let's not try and make it worse. You know, there's a lot of stuff in, in Scott's time, Scott Hall's time that was normalized as as, you know, this is standard behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and with it being normalized like that and with the crew he hung out with, you know, yeah, of course, that's going to happen. You know, let and we're not dogging him here. And I, I want to encourage other people. It's like, don't don't, don't fall into that trap. I can understand thinking, you know, there, but for the grace of God, go I. But, you know, I never I never mocked him for it. I was just constantly and consistently disappointed in him every time, like he relapsed and stuff like I. But I never even when I was younger, I never mocked him or anything. I was always just like, oh, come on. Like you were doing good. Mm -hmm. You can be sad that it happens. Yeah, that's more addiction. Addiction is a continuous process. It's it's not like, hey, you know, I'm over my addiction now because it just lives in the back of your head. So, all right. Sorry. I'll get off my soapbox. That's that's fine. So where where do we think? So I know he was never like a world champion or like the guy in a promotion, but like is. um, And I don't is he in the Observer Hall of Fame? Yeah. Uh, I, I honestly don't know. I was going to say no, maybe as the outsiders. Like, so he's probably like a bubble Hall of Fame guy if you go by observer um, criteria, which is very stringent. And yeah. um, so he's probably would, a bubble would... Hall of Fame guy. I, I, I probably would not have him in mine. Um, well, I'd have to think. It would depend on my mood on a given day. If I, would. I probably would for him um, because of, you know, how, how big of a role he played in a lot of important stuff. Um, if, I mean, I know you got to have a cutoff somewhere and that's yeah. that's a hard line to draw. He's but. he's right. He's right. I think where my cutoff is like it's either right above him or right below him. But he's kind of like my. I think I think he would be like my candidate that all candidates would get judged against. Mm. I would have no problem with him being like a Hall of Fame. I think he deserved that. He, he was a good worker um, because of his substance abuse issues. Didn't probably reach the level he, he could have or should have. No, and yeah, he probably but... cut a good five to seven years off of his career as like a good worker because of probably. it. Probably. Um. And obviously, like they they went to the NWO and formed it. But I mean, if things had worked out differently, like I could easily have seen Scott Hall as Razor Ramon, like get that world title and have like a good run with it, probably. Or if he had been behaving himself, like getting like an Impact World Title run, if he was in like um, still in decent shape or whatever. Yeah, I could have seen him as a dark horse WCW champion in that. Because you could always look at it and be like, it would be believable for him to do it, but the timing wasn't great for him. Right? I think you he know? would. I think for me, he would just be a transitional champion. Like, oh hey, uh, Lex Luger has the belt, and we want it on Sting, but they're both faces. Like here, Scott, like you get like a month reign so that you can you can beat Luger, and then Sting's going to, you know, beat you and take it. Which That's, is fine. I mean, you're still giving him the nod and saying, you know, yeah. we think you're worthy of it. It's just the way stuff, there's the nothing, way timing is right now. There's no shame. 
to me though there's no shame in being a transitional champion because you can still say you're the champion and no one can take that away from you yeah yeah uh I, there was a really funny story um thought a lot of stories have been coming out about scott hall uh most of them have been good i mean there's plenty of unpleasant stories out there but people yeah. have been focusing on them there's one that i actually kind of got i heard again i heard this back in the day but i didn't appreciate it uh it's a story that back in the day it was presented as like oh look what a dick scott hall is because when he went back to the wwe in those early 2000s mm-hmm. um i had heard that he had said this to someone i didn't like really pay attention to who he said it to but it's an infamous story where Scott Hall told this worker, it's like, oh, you got a great finisher. Can't wait to kick out of it. And it's like, that's a dick thing to say. Like, why would you say that to a dude? You're going to like really just make him look like a chump and trash his like finishing move. But apparently uh, who he actually said that to was Bully Ray Dudley. (laughs) (laughs) And now like how we know Bubba Ray or Bully Ray is nowadays I look at that and I just laugh my ass off because I'm like, you know what? Bully Ray's a fucking dick himself. Like, and he's always been a dick. He's been a dick for yeah. like 25 years. So if if Scott Hall said that to him, he's probably just like fucking with him and it's like, yeah. you know, trying to basically be like, hey, uh, take yourself down a peg. You're not so hot. Yeah. Uh, so that's to me. I like love that story. It's hilarious. Now when I heard it, I was like, it was. It's a dick move, yeah. Yeah, dick move, and, and he had, Scott Hall had had a reputation for sometimes being a dick to people. So him him saying that it's like, oh, that's Scott being a dick. But now, yeah. like with the context, I'm like, that's actually really really funny. I had always taken that as is him just joking with somebody. It's like, oh yeah, you got a great finish. Can't wait to kick out of it. <laughs> and it's just like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, Vince will probably do that. And and yeah. but some, you know. As a joke, but you know, given that that's who he said it to, that is, I, it's like twenty years later, and I think Bubba's still. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, do we... I, I can I mention one other thing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I guess Bret Hart, on, I think it's on Facebook or some somewhere on social media, he commented about Scott Hall's passing, and he had a really really nice uh, little paragraph he wrote that I just want to kind of cover it really quickly he's yeah Bret Hart was talking about how he's saddened to hear about the passing of Scott Hall he's like I wasn't very close with Scott in his later years but upon reflection I can flash back to many happy and fun memories of the days when he was my friend I think Scott carried many heavy crosses long before I ever knew him he was a good friend to Owen long before he became Razor Ramon wrestling life can be so so much fun and at the same time you can take all you have at the same time uh I will always remember Scott in the better times with his cool, dry sense of humor while playing gently with my sons. We had many matches, and he was a hard worker. Uh, and he talks about how the matches he loved with him. He loves, uh, I guess, the matches that, that Scott had with Owen, with Davey Boy, with Sean Waltman, obviously the one, two, three kid, with Sean Michaels. Brett goes on to say, like, we've lost so many air- wrestles from my era, and this is just one more to a list that's far too long. Uh, I won't blame anyone thing, but I do believe that at the days of wrestling – 300 days a year had been kinder and more considerate if we could have been home with our loved ones more many of my old friends and brothers would still be here i think scott would smile to know that so many people really loved him and we will truly miss him yeah um it's a really like thoughtful statement that he put out uh and i like that i because brett himself has had has struggled with being bitter about things but i think as he's i guess kind of consider him old age he seems to be more mellow and kind of accepting of his place and brett's 
Brett is very cemented nowadays. Is like just a a legend and a, and just a true guy from like the last like thirty something years. One of the big big workers of the time. Yeah. Um. So I, to him say that about uh, Scott Hall, who I'm sure like he had his own run-ins with the Click. I think he always day. said he liked Scott out of that that crew mm-hmm. though. I think Scott that was always and, like. I yeah. Think Waltman. Yeah. Um. And I think credible because credible was kind of like mm-hmm. in that sphere. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's hard, you know, to to lose someone like that who had also done so much work to, you know, you know, he had working with DDP to kind of get turned around. And, and so the last few years that he had could be as um, as good as as, you know, as they could be. Mm hmm. So uh, I, and then I guess we'll finish it off with uh, I'll quote that that line from his Hall of Fame speech that um, hard work pays off and dreams come true. Bad times don't last, but bad guys do. So. Yeah, we just hate hate losing him. Um, just hate losing Scott Hall like this, but. You know, that's that's what happens. All right, guys, anything else we want to? No, I think that's it for this week. Mm. All right. Well, everybody, thank you for joining us for this episode. Um, You know, we appreciate you being here with us. Hit us up on social media, um, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, And so we will be looking forward to you for the next episode. This is Shat with Matt and Brad. We've been in three quarters. You're in the fourth, and we'll see you next time.